Let's pray together. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Heavenly Fathers, I want to thank you for allowing us to come here another Sunday to be in the house of the Lord, to be able to worship together with our church community. And I pray, God, that you remind us once again of who we are and whose we are. May we be reminded of who we love and who loves us. May we live this one life for your purpose for your kingdom, and for your glory. I pray, God, that as you transition to the message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts who will be listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. We love you. We praise you today. Pray all these things in your precious son. Just Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen and amen. Good morning, church. I miss you dearly. I hope you've been well. Let's start off today with the title of today's message. And the title of today's message is called Psalm 139, You Know Me. Psalm 139, You Know Me me. Let me start off with the first scripture here, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you believe with your heart, with all that you have, do you know that God has a plan for you. You may feel useless. You may feel broken today. You may feel drained out. But this is good because that is the perfect candidate for God to use, for God to move in that person's life. Psalm 51 and Matthew 5 reminds us this. 51 Verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So for those who are broken, who feel useless, who feel drained out today, know that the Lord will not despise you. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 3. And sometimes we must be reminded of God's faithfulness. Reminded of God's promises. We do not need any new teachings, but we just need to be reminded of the basic principle of who God is and who God has called us to be. 
Now, in the book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, he says that the best teacher is not the one who always comes up with new kinds of teachings, but rather the one who brings about a constant reminder. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, be reminded? In quote, it says, really great moral teachers never do introduce new moralities. It is quacks and cranks who do that. People need to be reminded more often that they need to be instructed. The real job of every moral teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the old simple principles, which we are all so anxious not to see. Like bringing a horse back and back to the fence it has refused to jump or bringing a child back and back to the bit in its lesson that it wants to shirk. Mere Christianity. So right now, instead of focusing on our problems or focusing on our careers, our dreams, our purpose in this life that we think that we want to pursue, let us look up to our living God. And who is this living God? The Bible teaches us that his name is Yeshua, which means Yahweh, the Messiah, the Son of God. It means God saves. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let's shift now and talk about Psalm. Psalm is an amazing book. My all-time favorite psalm is found in chapter 139. Hence the title of today's message, You Know Me. And as we all turn to Psalm 139, and through Psalm 139 this morning, let us get to know the Lord. Let us be reminded of who our God is. Let us be reminded of who God has called us to be. Meaning every time you get stuck in life, when you go through hard times, when you're struggling in your faith, you turn to Psalm 139. I had a friend in my younger years who became pregnant and made that choice to abort the child. And I remember we were in a room full of a few friends and had the opportunity to share this particular psalm, Psalm 139. And I remember as we were sharing the psalm, everyone in the room, they were filled with tears. Meaning when life gets hard, when you feel that the waters are over you, and you feel like you're drowning in this life, let us be reminded, let us be reminded, let us be reminded, and let us understand who our God is and how big our God is. Amen. Starting with point number one is God is omniscient. Omni means all. Omniscient meaning all-knowing. Psalm 139 verse 1 through 6 says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The word search here found in verse 1, it means to look carefully, 
to find and knowing is an intimate, intimate word. It says, when Adam knew Eve, in King James Version, the word knew is the most intimate meaning, meaning yada in Hebrew. When it said Adam knew Eve, she became pregnant. So that word know is a dangerous word. You cannot casually say, hey, I know that guy or I know that girl. Because it is an intimate word. So when it says in verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. It means that God, he literally knows all of our ways and all of your thoughts, everything that you're thinking. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows exactly what is going through your head right now in this very moment. From the moment you were born to the moment you will die, God will always be in your head. Meaning God is omniscient, but the devil is not. That is very important reminder to us. God is all-knowing, but the devil is not because the devil is a counterfeiter. God knows exactly what we are thinking. The devil does not know your future. Only God knows. Not even a psychic. The devil cannot get inside your head. So God is omniscient, meaning he knows what's good for you. He knows what's bad for you. And life is never perfect due to the brokenness that we live, due to our sin, that we live in this world. But God works in this broken world. And God is omniscient. God, he knows everything. Even before words come out of your mouth. Even before you start speaking. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Meaning God knows exactly what you're going to say even before you speak. Your very first word. It's like that friend that you hang out with all the time. Growing up, you know, I loved my friends, and we would start dressing like each other, talking like each other, what that person gets, what that friend gets, I get, what I get, that friend gets. We share everything, our drinks. We opened the bottle back then, before all this pandemic. We would share Coke, Mountain Dew, whatever, any drink, water bottle, put our mouths, doesn't matter. Because that's my boy. That's my brother. We share everything. And when you hang out with someone long enough, you start thinking the same thoughts. You actually know what that other person is thinking. You could even finish that friend's sentence. Meaning we spend so much with each other, and because we know each other, they even start to look like each other because we start dressing the same. They bear each other's image. So when the Bible says, and when David says, in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. It means that God, he knows everything within what is within us. He knows us. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. So the question that I have for you is, if God knows you at your inmost being, if God is omniscient, then why not trust God with your life? Why not? Because it is for our own sake. As David says, God, know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. Meaning it is for our own sake that God examines our hearts. And we need to ask God to come and to search us because he knows us. He knows our hearts to test us and to know 
our anxious thoughts. It's like a friend asking a series of questions. Sometimes we don't know what we're going through, what we're feeling. And you speak to that person. You ask questions, series of questions to search what is going on within our hearts to get to the answer, to solve the problem, to our struggle. It's for our own sake. Why? That God searches our hearts because our hearts, the Bible teaches us, it is deceitful. Your heart is deceitful. It says in Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful of all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you agree? At one moment, my heart is here. And another moment, my heart is over there. And we need to ask God as David prays, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Because the heart is the life of that individual. It's a fountain of life. And this is where everything comes from. Therefore, when God searches our hearts, and when we invite God to search our hearts, we as people of God, we benefit from it. Again, point number one, God is omniscient. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, God is omniscient. Point number two, God is omnipresent. What do I mean by omni, omni, all, yes, everywhere, through all of time. Let's go to verse 7 and 10 of Psalm 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Verse 8, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. We understand that there are about 100 to 200 billion galaxies in this world. And I've taken road trips to different states, been to different countries on mission fields, been to many different places, and we realize that the world is huge. And when you especially go to a new country, you're like a little tiny dot, a speck of dust, in a pool of a place where you're not familiar with. No matter where you are, you can be alone, deep in your sleep, by yourself. The Bible tells us God is there. You can be with your family, with your closest friends, socializing, having fun. God is present in that very moment. God is there. And what we can learn from verse 7 through 10 of Psalm 139 is that you can never outrun God. You can never escape God. Wherever you go, God is always there. He is always present. Every time I try running away, every time I try to live my own life, God is right there behind me, pursuing after me. He is present everywhere. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So this, all-knowing, everywhere present God, this omniscient God, omnipresent God, he presents himself 
fully man, fully God in the New Testament. And his name is Jesus Christ. This omnipresent, omniscient God. I am the Lord. I am the Prince of Peace. I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. I am the Alpha and Omega, the Savior. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, meaning Christ. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Jesus is omnipresent. Jesus is omniscient. He is the big God, but yet the Bible teaches us that he is our personal God. He is our personal friend. He is our personal Father. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our shepherd. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. And that theme of a shepherd and a sheep, a flock that the shepherd leads, it echoes all throughout the Gospels. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. As David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11 through 16 says, I am, Jesus' words, he's saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he did. He went on the cross for us. He laid down his life for me. Because he is my shepherd. Verse 12, the higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, wolf meaning the trouble or the attack, he abandons the sheep and runs away because he doesn't own the sheep. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus goes on in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Again, the intimate word, know, know, knows no. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Amen. Luke 15, verse 4 to 6 says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, loses one of them. Just like our church, our website, Deep Roots Church 9941, it says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Meaning, Jesus, our shepherd, your shepherd, knows exactly which trials to give you, to give us. As my shepherd, as our shepherd, God knows exactly which trials and testings to give us, to mold us into the person that he wants and he desires for us to be. 
because trials, it shapes us and it molds us more into the character of Jesus Christ. Therefore, in trials, we must look up. Look up. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, look up. Don't be like Saul. Saul tall, head above others. Symbolic to how prideful he was. That he would always look down on people. But be like David, who is regular in stature, always crying out to God, asking God for help. In trials, look up. Do not focus on circumstances, but look up. Look up to God. How will we look up to God when we go through financial problems, family problems, and all kinds of problems? You need to seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Meaning, we need to ask God for wisdom. How do we get wisdom? Simple. You ask. And the context here is when you're going through trials and sufferings and hardships. Wisdom will help us to step back, will allow us to see the bigger picture of what God is doing in my life. So again, look up, seek wisdom, and we understand that in trials, I am strengthened. In testing, I am strengthened. We say things like, God is tempting me. God is harsh. God, he doesn't love me. But here's the reality and the truth. God doesn't tempt us. God cannot tempt. However, God does give us trials and testings in life. And just because God gives us trials and testings in life, it doesn't mean God is evil. It's like teachers, coaches, they give us a series of tests to help us, to challenge us, to strengthen us, to make our muscles strong, to have muscle memory, to be able to know the place with our coaches, boot camp, football practices, wrestling practices, all types of practices. We have to go through trials and testings. And God, he gives us trials. So when you're going through trials, ask God. As it says in James 1.5, ask God for wisdom. Because God will give it to you. It says generously. Not in a stingy way. Not just a little bit. But generously. Without finding And some of us who are here today or who are listening to this message, we need to ask God for wisdom because God, he desires to give it to us. Amen. Our adversary, Satan, has no hold, no power over the Christian life. The devil will continue to plant seeds of doubt in your heart, in your mind, questioning God left and right. But maybe reminded of James chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let me use Joseph as an example. Joseph, our beloved character in the scripture, was a favorite among 
his brothers, who was sold into a foreign country. And we understand through scripture that God was right there with this amazing godly man. And I'm here to remind us here today, again, remind you what you already know, that God is right here with you as God was with Joseph. And if Joseph, if he had gone out of prison when he had asked God, we understand that it would have been premature. And many times in the same way, we pray similar things. God, get us out of this trouble. Get me out of this situation. Get me out of this circumstance. And God is silent. This omnipresent God, omniscient God, doesn't answer. Well, he does answer, but it feels like he is not answering. But we learn at the end of the story in Joseph's life. And Joseph is finally able to understand in the end, after all his struggles and sufferings, being misunderstood, wrongly accused in prison, he's able to see the big picture later. And he says in verse 20 of Genesis 50, You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Don't allow that dark moment in your life to crush your walk with God. And in that instant, in that moment, your dreams may be crushed. But you must not forget who your God is. And the question that we must ask ourselves is this. Lord, what amazing and a different plan do you have in store for my life today? In my difficult circumstances, what am I not able to understand or see right now? Help me understand and see and have the wisdom to see the big picture. It's a story that I've shared before, a story that I heard when I was younger about a gentleman, 1.5 generation immigrant from Korea. And I've shared that his dream, his life goal in life was to be an gold Olympic medalist in gymnastics. So in high school, he won all kinds of medals. Got scholarship offers to the best universities in America. The American dream, and his dream was to go to the Olympics. And he said to himself, I will make my mom and my dad proud. I will get that gold medal, my goal, my passion, my pursuit in this life. And when he told his parents, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be in the Olympics. I'm going to make you proud. And they said, no. Become a lawyer or a doctor. The typical Asian dream. But you need to understand that tragedy in life happens in an instant. One second you're fine, and the next second you are in the slums. It's a story of this individual who shares her testimony in a video, she graduated on June 25th, 2014. And five days later, June 30th, at 9.50 a.m., she was taking a selfie after a killing workout. And at 3.40 p.m. that same day, she was in the hospital with her left hand ripped off. Her life turned upside down. There's a story of a man named Tommy Caldwell. The documentary called The Dawn Wall. It's about climbers. It's about him losing his index finger. And he learns to relearn how to climb without his limb. In an instant, your life can change drastically. 
and in this testimony of this young man, of this 1.5 generation immigrant from Korea. And his testimony, in quote, he said this. He said, it felt so strange. He was in one of his practices. Like as if I was floating in air. And then I realized something bad had happened. And when he had woken up, the father came and visited him in the hospital asking, I told you not to pursue this. Rather than saying, are you okay, my son? And he said, when he heard these words, I told you not to pursue this, the young man broke down and he wept. And to make this long story short, this man, yes, he was a churchgoer, like many of you, but his relationship with God, with Jesus, was superficial, like many 1.5 or second generation immigrants from Korea. And someone from his church would visit him, often to this hospital, and would speak to him about God's love. And for the first time in his life, he realized his true purpose, to know God's unconditional love. In quote, he said, I found my purpose. And my purpose is not a gold medal, is not success, fame, or even family, but it's to know God's love for me, the unconditional love of God. God's unconditional love was what he longed for all his life. And during rehab, he met many doctors and medical students. And the desire to become a physician started to grow in his heart. And he studied really, really hard to become a doctor. Almost impossible, he said. And he went to the best medical school and became a successful doctor. So when the patients come angry at life and they say, what do you know about my pain? And the moment they look at the doctor, they're shocked. And they say, you're my doctor. Within five minutes, they say, I have hope. Because he's a doctor on a wheelchair. And God is using this doctor, has used this doctor to bring hope to many. And just like the story of Joseph, he is touching many more lives than he could have done with a gold medal. Even though we live in a broken state, even though we live in a broken world, even though we will lose many things in this life, as Christians, as godly men and women of God, we have already won. How? In Jesus Christ. Troubles are many, but misery is our choice. Will you choose to stay in your misery? Or will you overcome through the power of Jesus Christ? Some of you are going through trouble now and trials now. And if not, you will. Not if, but when it comes. And when it comes, you may ask God, why? Why? Why me? And the answer is this, that in God, there is a greater purpose, always, no matter what. The greatest triumph you can have is to trust your life in the hands of God. All of your dreams can be destroyed in an instant, even when you're at your highest of highs, at your peak. But remember what I shared earlier, found in Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 
And in the end, just like Joseph, may this passage be the story of our life. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let us all read together. Ready? One, two, three. And we know that all things work together for good of those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Amen and amen. We must commit our way to God. We must delight our way to God, as it says in Psalm 37. Trust in him that he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. For you've been living long in darkness. The sun is coming. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Hope, hope in the Lord. As Christians, never do we need to live in fear again. Never do we need to live in guilt then again. Never in shame, Ronnie, again. But with courage and with confidence, right, Arlene? In Him, with love. Because His love empowers us, strengthens us to overcome and not to be afraid of our anxiety, of our circumstances, of people who come against us. Let us trust in Him. Trust in Him today. And some of you today, you have fallen deep in your sleep, in your sin, and you have become lost in the year 2021. But today is 2022. It is never too late to turn back to God. As that quote says in the movie Vanilla Sky, each passing minute is another chance to turn it all around. Don't waste that second. Don't waste that minute or that hour or the day, the dawn of day that God has given us for his justice will rise up like the noon day sun. It is never too late with God. Be the Joshua's of this generation. Be the Caliphs of this generation. Be the Rahab's of this generation. Be the Boaz of this generation. Be men and women of God who seek Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't be like the rest of what the world is doing, doing what everyone else is doing. This road, this path is a narrow gate and only a few will find this gate, this path will walk in. Not all will be saved, but the question is, are you saved? Do you know the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you know this omniscient God, this omnipresent God, and His name is Yahweh, Yeshua. It means God saves the Messiah, the Son of God, and His name is Jesus Christ. And if you have found Jesus Christ today, treasure it, protect it, honor it. Ladies and gentlemen, it comes down, your life, all of life comes down to one thing, and it's to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To love Him, and to be loved by Him, and to know God, and to be known by God. And nothing is more important than this. Nothing. Nothing else matters except for this one thing. May we pursue God in our battles. May we continue to trust in Him and know who our God is. For you 
created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Amen. And amen. And at this time, I want to invite the praise team to come up. stand to our feet. Let's sing together for here in the house we find your embrace.
Father, thank you for reminding us once again that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh Lord, you will not despise. The blessed are the ones who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the promise that you gave us, the scripture that we share in the beginning. And we're ending it with this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Thank you for your promises, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. We trust in your providence. We trust in who you are. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Just trust in me, pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. <laughs>